go. Put all the pieces together. Did that help? <coughs> Good. All right. Matthew chapter number six. <laughs> I'm going to tell you all ahead of time. I'm preaching for myself today. Just so you know. Just go ahead and preach for myself. I'm sure nobody else fits in the category I fit in. I, uh, I have this knack. I, I learned this. Uh, it's taken me a long while, but I, uh, I, I have this knack. There's, there's this thing. It's real easy to stand up here and tell everybody, oh, just trust in the Lord. Don't worry about a thing. Aren't those easy words to say? Those are easy words to say. But is there anybody that's ever guilty of worrying other than the preacher? And uh, I don't need everybody to raise your hands. I'll just go ahead and assume and uh, that we're together on this one because I think it's funny to go, hmm. Uh, when we look into Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives us an answer for worry that um, really kind of, you know, we come through. And we're coming through a time and uh, that uh, with all of this, this uh not just the sickness, but uh, we could look into our culture. I could, we could talk for days, and uh, and that we could create a lot of things that make us very anxious this morning. Um, that are going on around us, that are, are with uh, uh, all that's happening, and you you look and you go, there it is, and and so then I could say, well, do you ever worry? Do you ever worry? And and I, I think we would be we would just kind of go. Some people by by nature were were uh, were worriers. I, uh, but I did hear about one woman who worried so much that her health, hair, uh, so much the hair fell out of her wig. Whew. That's what I would call a worry wart. <clears throat> and, uh, but I also read about the wife of a federal court, uh, district court judge who at a clearance sale found the perfect green tie to match uh, one of her husband's sport coats. A little later, the couple was relaxing at a resort to get his mind off a complicated cocaine conspiracy case, and he noticed a small round disc sewn into uh, his tie. He thought it was uh, uh, suspicious, and he called the, uh, the local FBI, who was equally suspicious that it might be a bug planted by the uh, conspiracy defendants. The agent sent the device to the FBI headquarters and Washington for uh, an analysis. A few days later, the judge phoned Washington to find the results of the tests. He was told, we are not sure where the disc came from, but we discovered that when you press it, it plays jingle bells. <laughs> Terrible. So often we worry about things we don't need to worry about. Mark Twain said, I am an old man and have known many troubles, but most of them have never happened. And it's been found that our worry consists of 40% of things that will never happen. 30% consists of things that are about the past that can't be changed. 12% is about criticism by others, mostly untrue. 10% about health, which gets worse with stress. And 8% about real problems that will be or can be faced. George Gannon said worry is entirely unscriptural. As Christians, we've taken the precepts of Scripture for our standard of living, and we look upon the Bible as our uh, final court of appeals in all of life's details. Who can deny that within its pages no warrant is found for worrying? Yet Herbert Locker said, when a Christian worries, he's living in, a, in the wrong climate, for any kind of worry is foreign to his life of, in Christ. 
Charles Tumble, he said, uh, even went on so far as to say, worry is, is sin, a black, a murderous, God-defying, Christ-rejecting sin. Worrying about anything at any time, whatever, we will never know victory over worry and anxiety until we treat it as sin. For such it is, it is a deep-seated distrust of the Father who assures us again and again that even the failing sparrow is in his tender cares. We continue to look at the Sermon on the Mount. We see Jesus talks to us about worry. Three times he says, take no thought. The word thought means to be anxious about. Jesus is talking about worry. And when he says, take no thought, he's telling us not to worry. And he mentions several things that are often the cause for our worry. One thing he talks about food in verse number 25. Look, and he says, therefore... I say unto you, take no thought for your life, for what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body. What ye shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to their stature, to his stature, and why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you'd add blessing to the reading of your word, and I ask that you would uh, give wisdom today in your word. Father, I ask that you'd help each one of us, Lord, that uh, as we talk about a subject that really, if we're honest, we all deal with. Um, we all struggle with um, the, the, the anxiousness or the, the challenges of the day. Lord, we can look around and, and look through in the many ways of our culture and and, uh, and see how folks have amplified uh, just the, uh, the amount of worry in the last, um, even the last year. So, Father, I ask that you give us uh, wisdom, uh, wisdom in your word, and uh, may your spirit speak to our hearts and give us that comfort that we need, uh, the comfort that's above all comfort. Um, and, Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We continue to look and... We see that not only does he ask that, he says, no, take no thought on what you shall eat. He tells us not to worry. Uh, and uh, yet for your body, he also talks about fashion. And yet uh, he tells us uh, not to worry about what you shall put on and the raiment. And lastly, he talks about the future in verse 34 when he says, take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow. Uh, therefore, for tomorrow, food, fitness, fashion. Future, things that we mostly worry about. However, Jesus tells us that we shouldn't worry about those things. He tells us that, uh, that he uh, gives us reasons that we, we ought not to worry. But why is it uh, 
Why would it be wrong? Uh, we read all these scholars and they, they tell us things like, uh, why would it be wrong to worry? Well, I want to paint out three pictures or three reasons of, of Jesus that gives us for why, where we can come and, and come and rest uh, upon him. First, Jesus speaks the, the, uh, the, 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 the foolishness of our worry. He, uh, Jesus, the, the master illustrator, he often took the common things of life and he used them to teach great lessons. And so, for example, he talked about worry. He took two common things and he used them to teach us that uh, look at, helped us to take a look at them. And first we see in verse 26, you see the fowls of the air, the fowls that fly, the birds of the field. And, and you look and they sow. They don't reap, nor do they gather in the barns. And the skies are full of various kinds of birds. I can imagine that Jesus pointed at some birds that were flying overhead and he asked, do the birds worry about what they're going to eat? Do the birds worry about what's going to be on the table? And he answered his own question by reminding us that the Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father feedeth them. There, there are robins, there's blue jays, there's cardinals, the sparrows, the, the hummingbirds, the eagles, the, the, the hawks, and even the crows, and the, all the birds of the skies. The Heavenly Father feeds and provides. They, they, they don't sow, nor do they reap and store food. They're dependent upon the Heavenly Father. Each and every day, God's watching over them, providing for them. And after telling us that the, the Father feeds the birds, he asks another question. Are you not much better than they? Aren't you better than they? Jesus was saying, do you think God cares more about the birds than you? If God provides for the birds, there's no question that he'll take care of us. We're his children. We're his children. You can be sure that we mean more to God than the birds in the field and the birds in the air. Someone has, has written, they said, uh, said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why those anxious human beings rush around and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. We have someone who cares for us. We have a heavenly father. The second illustration Jesus gave is, is found in verse 28, and he spoke about the flowers that grow. The flowers that grow. Anybody anxious for spring? Especially when there's snow on the ground. <laughs> Everybody's ready for spring. We have snow on the ground, and everybody's going, I can't wait for spring to come. I can't wait to see the little green stuff start popping up through the ground and seeing it through the dirt and, and uh, see the excitement that goes with it because everybody goes, there it is, spring. It means warm weather's coming. I, I keep picking on folks. They, uh, uh, I told them several weeks ago, I've been rotten. RJ's going to say I've heard this record a couple of times because I said back at Christmas time, we got snow for Christmas. And, uh, and there's this one of those wives' fabled things, uh, and uh, kind of like our, our groundhog that was just up this last week. And is, there's a thing that says, if you get snow at Christmas in Ohio, then it's not going to be such a bad winter. And really, it hasn't been. If we're honest, it really hadn't been that bad a winter. And all of a sudden, now we get two weeks of winter. Yay! But you know, when we get two weeks of winter, we got our groundhog that comes out. We got another one of those things. And uh, the groundhog comes out and says, hey, by the way, you're going to have six more weeks of winter. By the way, just so y'all know, six weeks of winter comes to my birthday. My birthday. And by my birthday, the spring thaw is usually taking place. And uh, we're usually on the ball field 
about a week and a half after my birthday. So I know the thaw is coming unless we flood out. That, uh, that's uh, the other side of it. But you look and you go, wait a second. We, we get so wound up in, in some of the silliest things, don't we? We get caught up in some of the silliest things. And the birds of the field, the flowers, when they start peeking up through the dirt, the, the, the uh, farmers start getting anxious about getting it in the field, getting all of their, their crops in the field, and how exciting a time it is. It's a time of hustle. It's a time of bustle. It's a time that, that, that when you live out here in the country, you go, oh, it looks so good. Even the dirt in the air smells good, doesn't it? Unless you have my allergies. And then you go, oh, I'd like to take another day off of that stuff. But we come through and you look and you go, the flowers of the field. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They, to- they, don't, they don't toil. They don't spin. I can imagine that Jesus looked around and he pointing at the lilies growing in the field and he said, see those lilies, they don't work. They don't till the ground. They plant themselves and provide their own preservation. Neither do they spin nor do they weave to make cloth garments. If he was outside the back corner of our church in August, I believe he would point at one of our downspouts. You might laugh at me, but I believe that he would. He'd point at our downspout and he might look up there at that downspout and he'd point up. This past year we had a stalk, one stalk. Not a bunch of stalks, just one stalk. So I know we didn't get corn uh, up there in the, in the gutter, but we had one stalk that decided to grow in our gutter. I, I thought that was the funniest thing. Wait a minute, we didn't even have corn planted off the back out here like we had in past years. No, this year we didn't have anything. It's just a, But up in our gutter we had one stalk of corn growing. You sit there and kind of scratch your head and you go, wait a second, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but God takes care of all that stuff, doesn't he? He has a way of taking care of all of that. And he says, yet I I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Solomon in, the, in all the beauty and the grandeur of the royal garments, the, 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 uh, the, the beauty was all man-made, yet the flowers could only attribute their beauty and their glory to their creator. See, if God would would give so much attention to the flowers in the field, will he not even give more attention to you and I? Miss Sherry, we had that conversation just here a couple of weeks ago and uh, about your mom. And we uh, we got to, uh, got to, I got tickled about it because we were talking about she used to bring in, Miss Virginia would bring in these big vases of natural flowers. And they were beautiful. And I have to be honest, Bethany, you are a city girl. I love you, but you're a city girl. Miss Virginia, she was all country because she could take the weeds out of the feet, out of her, her, I wouldn't even call it a flower bed. That's your front yard, Miss Sherry. She took what I thought were weeds and she'd have them all stuck in there. And by the time it was done, it was beautiful. My allergy medicine couldn't handle it, but my, uh, but uh, the, it was beautiful, unbelievable, what she could put together. And to think, you know, here, the the amazing uh, pieces of it. And if God would give so much attention, would He not give more attention to you and I? See, if He'd clothed the field, the grass of the field, which is today, tomorrow cast in the oven. Shall he not much more clothe us? The answer is obvious. We mean much more to God than flowers. And, and these two illustrations, Jesus is reminding us of, of the Father's care. The Father's care. He's, he's reminding us that we are the chief object 
of the Father's love and care. You and I are. I once heard somebody say that God loves us so much that if he had a refrigerator in heaven, he would have our picture on it. And I like that. I like that. I see, I'm in houses all the time, in different houses, and I see everybody's refrigerator. They can clean all the stuff off of the walls. And they're getting ready to sell, and they do all of that to clean up the clutter in the house. But their refrigerator still has their pictures. And I think it's funny that if, uh, if, if, if God had a refrigerator, it'd have your picture on it. Have our picture on it. And these two illustrations. And Charles Weigel said, uh, it, said it very well. He said, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. No one ever cared for me like him. Like him. I'm thankful for our Father in heaven. We have a Father. And since God cares and loves so much and, and it's so foolish for us to worry, just as he takes care of the birds that fly above, the flowers that grow around us, he, he'll take care of us. One author wrote it this way. He said, be not dismayed, whether be tied, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. Through days of toils when heart doth fail, God will take care of you. When dangers fierce, your path assailed, God will take care of you. All you may need, he will provide. God will take care of you. Nothing you ask will be denied. God will take care of you. No matter what may be the test, God will take care of you. Lean, weary one, upon his breast. God will take care of you. There's a second reason Jesus gives us for not wearying. And, and he not only speaks of the foolishness of our worry, but also the fruitlessness which of you can take one thought and add a cubit to our stature? Uh, Jesus was telling us it's it's someone uh, that it's fruitless. Someone has said worries like a rocking, uh, rocking in a rocking chair. You sit down in that rocking chair; it'll give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. Sit there rocking in that chair. In short, worry will not do us not one bit of good. Jesus tells us that worry doesn't lengthen our life. Jesus said worrying about things. It's not going to add a cubit to our stature. It uh, was, uh, wasn't adding any height to us. And, and uh, it's not going to add any, uh, any age or, or uh, anything to lifespan. Matter of fact, they tell us uh, uh, that they can show you how it shortens our life the more we worry. Worry's been found to lead to an increase in coronary heart disease. Chronic worry has been associated with with uh, decreased heart rate, and we can go on and on. But worry affects us in many ways. It affects us physically, emotionally, mentally, and, and even affects us spiritually. And we understand that worry doesn't strengthen life. Jesus said worry doesn't add one cubit to stature. It, it doesn't add one uh, moment to our lifespan. Worry does, uh, does nothing to help us but only hurt us. Wor worry never calmed a troubled heart, uh, dried a tear, or lifted a burden. An Italian proverb says, a hundred hours of worry will not pay a farthing's worth of debt. And it's been said worry doesn't help tomorrow's troubles, but it does ruin today's happiness. In uh, one of the Nancy Drew stories, she's, it's been said that, uh, or she said, if worry were an effective weight loss program, women would be invincible. I got a chuckle, a chuckle out of that. 
And there is not one of us that can say that worry helped us. Worry's never eliminated our problems. It's usually only enlarged them. That has no value or benefit. And it's both foolish, fruitless. But lastly, Jesus speaks of, of faithlessness in our worry. Verse number 30 of our text, he tells us there, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Now I want you to pay close attention, and we'll drop down to those last five words that say, O ye of little faith, there in verse number 30. Jesus was saying, Our worry reveals our lack of faith or our lack of trust. Our lack of trust. As Jesus talks about worry, he declares two truths about our, our Heavenly Father. And first he tells us that our, our Father sees our needs. I really think it's need, interesting as I'm reading that this morning, I come across something else that we read earlier in Sunday school. And I thought about how not only this shows, our worry shows the lack of trust, but what is it that confronted uh, Malachi, Malachi was confronting the Israelites with that God had given him. He was confronting their faithlessness. That Malachi was putting out in front of them that, that point of, of where they were not being obedient and therefore the growing problems that happened in there. And as I look at this and I go, well, wait a minute here, uh, I, I see something very similar that, that comes along and our Father sees our needs. He knows, Jesus said, he says, all these things the Gentiles seek for, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things. The things he was speaking of are the things we, we worry, uh, uh, we mostly worry about. We, we mentioned them earlier, food, fitness, fashion, and future. However, we shouldn't worry about such things. Jesus said that our heavenly Father knows that we have need of these things. He's got it all under control. The word knoweth speaks of how our Heavenly Father is aware of our needs and He sees the needs that are in our life. There's nothing that our Heavenly Father doesn't know. He knows every need that you and I have. So here you go. God knows. I'll go ahead and reach out and you can pick on me about it later. So I think of the old Bob Dylan song. It says, God knows. God knows you ain't pretty. God knows it's true. God knows there ain't anybody ever going to take the place of you. God knows. Now, I'm not sure that I, I would put the song in the church hymnal, but I do want to say that God knows. Jesus tells us that our Father supplies our needs. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added uh, unto you. God not only knows our needs, uh, uh, but he supplies those needs. That is what Jesus meant when he said these things would be added unto us. We worry about so many things in our life, but our Heavenly Father in heaven can supply those needs. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the Bible tells us not to worry about anything, but pray about everything. Corey Jen Boom said, Don't wrestle, just nestle. Then in Philippians 4.19, we read, But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Instead of worrying uh, and taking a, a, a take our needs to the Lord in prayer, trust him to meet those needs. So here it is, Lord. Here it is. A number of years ago, we 
visited Andersonville Prison of War Camp in Andersonville, Georgia. Andersonville was a Confederate prisoner of war camp. If you did, if you're not familiar with your history, in that part, more than 45,000 Union soldiers were confined confined there. One interesting fact that I read was that Adam Swarner, a young cavalryman from New York State, was the first prisoner to die in Andersonville, and only five months later, his brother Jacob was buried in grave number 4005 of the National Cemetery. During the 14 months the prison uh, uh, existed, almost 13,000 died from disease, poor sanitation, malnutrition, overcrowding, or exposure to the elements. When you go through, you watch a film, and it tells about the prison, I particularly drawn to a story about an incident that occurred in the camp and the conditions in the camp so horrible the summer was searing hot and the the uh, the dead accumulated daily the lack of water torture continuous thirst only added to the human misery in the camp and what little water they had from a small stream that ran through the camp was contaminated being used as a latrine and other things and the conditions of the camp were nothing but but an incubator for disease and death. And in spite of the human misery and the numbers that were dying, one thing that grew about uh, grew was religious activities throughout the camp. Every night prayer meetings and, and preaching was found throughout the camp. And as you can imagine, men in, in such desperate conditions were desperate in their praying. And even in such uh, conditions, they turned to their Heavenly Father that He would provide for their needs. Well, the Heavenly Father who saw their needs demonstrated his ability to meet their needs on August 13th in 1864. A great cloud appeared over the camp. Those who told the story said it was like a giant mountain in the sky. Its color uh, uh, like that of a, a blued uh, gun metal. The cloud approached from the east moving slowly westward until it was directly over the camp. And as thousands of men watched, it seemed to stop and just hover over the camp. As the emancipated men stood staring heavenward, there was complete silence. Even the, the uh, endless uh, drone of, of misery from the, the sick and the dying was muted, and, and in the quietness, a soft rain could be heard falling gently on the earth. And suddenly there was a thunderous, deafening roar, and the men described it, as the like of an explosion of a thousand cannons. It was so powerful that the men standing near the west wall were thrown to the ground. Then from the heart of the deep blue cloud came a blinding flash followed immediately by a bolt of blinding white lightning. It exploded from the sky, striking the ground within the, the stockade and at a, nor a notorious point known as the deadline, beyond which no prisoner could pass without being shot. And at, at that place where the fiery lightning struck, there was another tremendous explosion and a, and a stunning eruption of earth and stream, steam filled the air and instantly torrents of flesh or fresh water gushed from the blasted broken ground. Pouring into the prison comes the water. The water was cool, it was clean, and until the war's end, 
the water continued to flow at a rate of about 10 gallons per minute, providing water for the men within the prison. Everyone there knew what had happened was not ordinary, and those who had been praying knew what had happened. They, they named the spring Providence Spring. Very fitting. They knew that their Heavenly Father had provided the water for them. The God who sees our needs supplies our needs. See, when we worry, we're not trusting God to meet our needs. Worry shows that lack. Why should we not worry? Well, first, there's foolishness to our worry. God cares. He cares. It's fruitless. Worry doesn't accomplish anything. It doesn't help us situation but not only that it shows that faith faithlessness worry is our trying to handle things rather than letting God that's me trying to make things and work things into order instead of worrying we ought to try to to worship I look and I go hmm what have we done I asked somebody the other day, and I think it to be true in, in every facet of our life. COVID has made us do some things we've never done before in our country. It has made us do some things. Who would have ever thought that you'd walk into a store with a mask on in America? Who would have ever thought that you couldn't eat but in selected restaurants? that you'd enter with a mask, take your mask off to eat, and then have to put it back on. Who would have thought? And I could go on and on in the many ways in which we might have gone, who would have thought? Who would have thought? And yet at the same time, God has provided a way through all of this. We've seen some that have been sick, and that's true. We've seen some that, that, that it's been difficult for their families. They've lost loved ones. But I can't control what tomorrow's going to bring. But I do know who holds tomorrow. I love that old song. And you know, one of the things that I've found myself, and I didn't hardly realize I was doing it, is I found through all of this, I said, I, I, there came a point where I said, I want to I wanna worship. I just want to worship. And I found the greatest way through the difficult days was just to, to find a way to worship. And I've been ornery. I picked up, I, you folks have heard me say, well, I picked up a bass a couple of years ago. Well, this year I picked up the guitar in August. And you go, our preacher's nuts. <laughs> yes, I am. But you know what? It's just another way that I found that I can worship to help me. I'm not good. I'll be the first one to say that. No way. I've got a long way to go. But how fun it was when I finally figured out how to put together one song. One song. And to watch the worry fade away. 
makes me think of a song we sang, I believe it was uh, last week, that says, when the music fades, all is stripped away, then I simply pray, longing just to bring something that's worth that will touch your heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship because Jesus is all about Him. It's all about Him. And it's not about me. So as we come today, I want to encourage us to look and say worry. Worry tends to be more me-centered than God-centered. And will we come and just give that to him as he speaks to our hearts today? Will we do so? Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I want to invite us to come. As the Lord speaks to our hearts, maybe... Maybe we're worrying. Maybe there's a burden that's on our heart that we've been, been toting around and not giving to the Lord. And it's time for us to do so. Maybe he's pricked our heart about that, that need or that burden. Maybe, maybe there's the burden of faithlessness where we need to come to him surrender our heart to begin with whatever the case might be the invitation is for us to respond will you come as the Lord leads today will you come